Amen. City Light, what is up? How are we doing this morning? It is really good to be here. Uh, my name is Matt. Um, I've been here for about a year now, uh, and I'm a resident uh, at City Light Kansas City, which is super exciting. But I just want to stop and say, like, thank you to all of you guys. Um, I've been here, like, like I said, for about a year now, um, and you guys welcomed me with open arms. And whenever I mean open arms, I mean like literally I've never come across a church that hugs as much as you do. I don't know if that's a Doug thing or if that's just a Council Bluffs thing, but I have loved it. Um, you guys befriended me. Uh, you poured into me. Um, you loved me well. Um, you helped me heal from a really rough season, and you were crazy enough to um, let me help lead the college ministry here. Um, so, and, I mean, you can keep going. Now you joyfully send me off to help plant a church in Kansas City. So it just, the list just goes on and on for how thankful I am for all of you. Uh, you guys have a special spot in my heart. So thank you. Um, I don't know about you, but this Proverbs series has been absolutely fantastic. Um, for the first time, it's like kind of actually starting to make sense. For the longest time, it was just Psalms, Proverbs, and like the little, you know, the little Bible with the New Testament. Um, and now it's like, oh, I kind of understand where it fits into the biblical context now and like where you actually see Jesus in Proverbs for the first time. It's kind of always been a mystery and um, it's just fun to dive into it and see where Jesus um, is in the middle of it. So just as we run to Jesus for salvation, we, we look to Jesus for wisdom. And Jesus doesn't just point us to wisdom. Jesus doesn't just say, hey, this is what wisdom looks like. Jesus is, in his nature, wisdom. And that is good news. Um, and, I mean, we go even further. Like, he wants us to get wisdom, too. And I know I need that desperately because I have made plenty of unwise decisions in my life. And when I look back over my life, uh, my 25 years on this earth, I've noticed something that many of my unwise decisions have been heavily influenced because of the friends that I have surrounded myself with. Most of my decisions um, were because of the people that I had speaking into my ear, the people that were truly influencing me. Now, I'm okay making bad decisions on my own. I'm pretty good at that, but I did not always help myself out with the friends that I chose. So growing up, uh, like in uh, elementary school and middle school into high school, I had this friend, um, everybody called him Smurf. Don't ask me why everybody called him Smurf, but his name was Smurf. That's what everybody called him. He was like three or four years older than me. Um, and he lived up just up the street. But he came from kind of a rough family where there was not much love, uh, there was not much discipline, and there was not much communication in his family. Um, but my brother and I would hang out with Smurf all the time. Come home from school, hang out with Smurf. Summertime, hang out with Smurf all day long. We would go all over all over town on our scooters. We would go to GameStop and buy video games, trade them in. Um, we would build forts. We would build bike ramps, do dangerous stuff. It was the life, sleepovers, what, you name it. But I remember that there was a point in time where we came home one day and my mom said, you're different when you hang out with Smurf. You are different when you hang out with Smurf. Now, my household was a lot different. My household, there was lots of discipline, there was lots of love, and there was lots of communication. But when my brother and I came home after hanging out with Smurf, my mom said that our attitudes were bad. She said that we were dis more disrespectful than usual. And she said that it created a tension in the household that was not the norm. Now, I did not think much of this dialogue at the time, 
But after more years of hanging out with Smurf, I kind of started to pick up on what she was talking about. I kind of started to pick up like, oh yeah, that's what she was talking about there. And I started to notice the, the bad habits that he was influencing on my life. Smurf fueled a fire for a habit of disobeying my parents. Smurf uh, fueled a fire for um, a disrespectful attitude towards not just my parents, but a lot of other people. And Smurf even fueled a fire for um, and introduced me to pornography for the first time. But here's, here's what I learned from my years hanging out with Smurf. And I learned it the hard way. The friends that we choose to invest in will either make us or they will break us. They will either have a positive influence on our life or they will have a negative influence on our life. They will make us look more like Jesus or they will distract us from Jesus and pull us away from Jesus. They can either reflect and magnify our relationship with our creator or they can create a fog and mist that disorient us from the friendship of God. And that's what I want to look at this morning. I want to look at Proverbs and what Proverbs has to say about the wisdom of our friendships and how we should view them and how we should pursue them. Because let's be honest, friendships are hard. Friendships are fragile. Friendships are difficult to maintain. They're not easy. But praise God that the Bible provides clarity on friendships. And in Proverbs, there's a lot that it has to say about how we should view these friendships and approach these relationships with people. We're going to be looking at three things that Proverbs tells us about friendship. The first is we are made for friendship. The second is friendships, um, or we are made by friendships. And thirdly, Jesus is the best friend that we could ever have. So let's look at Proverbs 27, verses 8 through 10, and let's see how we were made for friendship. It says, like a bird that strays from its nest is a man who strays from his home. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend, and do not go to your brother's house in the day of calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. Now, what does all of that mean? Here's what I think Proverbs is saying to us here. God designed us to operate in community. We weren't made to go through life alone. Or as this passage says, we weren't made to be um, like a bird and stray away from community. We weren't made to stray away from the nest. Now, I'm no bird expert, but once a bird builds a nest, it's not natural for it to leave and never come back. When it builds a nest, um, it's vulnerable when it leaves the nest. And there, yes, there are times where it needs to leave to go get food, to find a mate, to build that nest up. But it is, it is God designed for it to return to the nest because it provides safety. It provides a place for it to, to belong. And it also, when, it, when a bird leaves a nest and doesn't return, it leaves whatever's in the nest vulnerable as well. It is designed by God to, rever, to return to the comfort of the nest and care for it. Just like that bird, every human is made for community and has a proper place in community where they may be known where they will have purpose and be safe. We are made for friendship with God. Proverbs calls us back to that nest of community, that network of friendship. I think in our culture, we often idolize the, uh, the self-made, lone ranger, uh, free spirit of man or woman. Our culture loves the identity like around the cowboy in the wild, wild west. 
uh, riding solo without another human being hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles away, riding, in, uh, riding into a ghost town, alone, rogue, without any true friendship. And today, I think that looks like a person staring at a screen of scrolling faces, but keeps a realized distance from them, not real friendship. Men and women both have come to hold this as the ideal standard for living, but it's not how God intended us to live. Verse 8 shows us that we were made for, for relationships in the family setting, which is a good thing. And then verse 10 shows us that we were also made for friendships outside of the family unit. Now, we aren't supposed to just throw away you know, our family relationships for friends. Instead, we get to maintain good relationships in our household while pursuing friendships that have the potential to be closer than a brother. We were made to be in close relationship with other humans. This community of friendship, this nest of of friendships is at the very heart of the gospel. The world we lived in was created by a good, loving, and gracious God who filled it with things for us to enjoy and moral laws that would keep us grounded and guide us and bring structure to our lives. However, while all these things are good and we can all enjoy these things, um, that's, not the, that's not the goal of this life. The goal of this life isn't just to enjoy the good gifts or simply obey the laws. As we talked about in Galatians, the goal of this life is to know and be known by our creator. Guys, that's friendship. That's friendship. This loving friendship between man and God is the way that things were supposed to be before the fall, before sin entered the world. Our purpose, our fulfillment, our delight, our joy, and life itself flow from this friendship with God. But in creating mankind this way, God didn't just create us to be in friendship with God, with himself. He also made us to be in friendship with other humans. I think we've all, we all get that. He said in Genesis that it wasn't good for man to be alone. So he created a wife to be the helper of the first man. And all the men said, Amen. And he told them to multiply in order to share this God-inspired friendship with other humans as a beautiful, beautiful thing. He wanted his creation to experience the same deep, loving connections that the Trinity did. Sadly, sin has caused a massive divide, not just between our friendship with God, but our ability to be friends with, with each other, with other people. Like my experience with Smurf, I wanted that deep friendship I was looking in all the wrong places, though. I was looking at all the wrong characteristics of what a true friendship was. We all have an innate desire for these friendships. We all want to be loved. We all want to be known and taken care of. We all want to have a good time and experience all that this world has to offer. And there is nothing wrong with that. But where we do run into trouble is when we seek pleasure and guidance from people and things outside of our relationship with God first. We start to rely on our own wisdom to guide us. We allow our own wisdom to make decisions for us of of what is best. And that includes the friends that we think are best for us. But when our relationship with God is restored, prioritized, and deepened, we can then begin to wisely enjoy and pursue the friendships that we have on earth. Verse 9 says that just as lotions and fragrance give delight to our senses, a sweet friendship is refreshing for our soul. See, like, God is all about the soul care business, and that is why he gave us these friendships. 
to tend to our souls. We were made to be in friendship with God and other people like us. And there is wisdom in knowing how to best approach it. See, like we were made with friendship with God first and then with other humans. The second thing that we see is that we are made by our friendships. Or to be more specific, we are made by our friends. We are shaped by our friends. Our friends make us who we are. We need to choose friends wisely because our friends shape us. Now, all the teenagers in the room, all the kids are being like, all right, Matt, when did you start sounding like my mom? Sorry, just bear with me for a second. All the parents are in the room saying, preach it, Matt, preach it. But here's where, here's where I think it helps us. Here's where I think we need, to, we need to, to lean on. Friendships are to be treasured. If we are made by God specifically for these friendships with one another, then we should place a lot of value in them. We should start seeing friendships how God sees friendships. We should start seeing friends um, as God sees friends. And we should start loving people as God loves people and seeing people as God sees people. We need wisdom when it comes to friendships and choosing friends and how we treat our friends. Read verses uh, 15, 16, and 17 with me. A continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike. To restrain her is to restrain the wind or to grasp oil in one's hand. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Oh boy, I can't believe that I decided to use this message. I thought I had some, I thought I had some friends in the office who would like, oh yeah, don't use that passage, you can do something else. Nope, they said, oh yeah, go for it, go for it. Here's where I think it helps us though. One arena of friendship is marriage. And Solomon's advice here um, on marriage, on choosing a wife, can help us all when it comes to choosing any friend. Solomon tells us that a bad relationship is similar to a continual annoying drip on a rainy day. I think that's something that we could, we've all experienced. We all know that it's not fun. He said it's like trying to grasp the wind or oil in your hand. It's irritating, it's impossible to control, and it's unhealthy. In this verse, not choosing wise friends leads to a life of quarreling, to a life of stress, annoyance, and not growing closer to one another. Now, I'm not married, but that does not sound like a fun life to live. That literally sounds like water torture to me, and I, I don't want that. And I don't want that for you guys either. I think many people, though, including me, have had people like this in our life. We've had those people that produce nothing but fighting, nothing but arguments, nothing but tearing one another down and just misery, the opposite of joy and what God designed these friendships to be. There's wisdom in choosing the right friends and the right husband and the right wife. So then how are we supposed to choose our friends? And this is where Proverbs is so good and has so many, so many pointers for what a good friend should or shouldn't look like. A good friend loves at all times. A good friend is honest about their sin. A good friend doesn't gossip. A good friend lovingly comforts. A good friend knows when to cut you slack. A good friend is a realist. A good friend focuses on the heart and not the surface. Deep down, 
We all want to be that good friend. And deep down, we all want to have that good friend. We all want to be known and we want to know. We want other people to know our thoughts and our feelings. And we want to know what other people are thinking and feeling as well. And the wisdom of Proverbs gives us a blueprint of what we can do to make a good friendship possible. Now, I am gonna give you some bad news really quick, and then I promise that I'm gonna give you some good news. So just bear with me for one second. The bad news, brace yourself. We have all been wounded. We have all had people in our lives who have said hurtful stuff, who have stabbed us in the back, who have laughed at us, who have refused to be our friend. And it, all, it hurts. It hurts. But the good news, Psalm 147.3 says that God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Healing for hurting people is possible through God. It sometimes takes time to allow God to heal that ache in our hearts, but we can learn what it means to be a friend or have a friend or maybe have a friend for the first time. It takes vulnerability and honesty with people to build that friendship, but that is what true friendship is based on. That is the foundation of godly friendship. Imagine with me if our conversations moved past the sports, past the weather, to sharing our struggles and our, our successes with one another. Imagine if we shared how we are seeing God move or how we want to see God move in our lives. Now, I am not saying that every single conversation from here on out needs to be about um, you know, sharing your, most, you know, your deepest, darkest secret and confessing sin and sharing what you're feeling. That is not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that just as you have a desire to be known, so do the people that you talk to. They have that same desire. And I've learned that it starts somewhere with deeper conversation. I'm learning to be open and honest about my sin so that I can open up to others and show others what it looks like. I'm learning how to love well so that others can feel safe around me and feel okay opening up to me. I'm learning how to extend grace but also confront others' sin and brokenness. We all have things that we love to talk about, but what would it look like for our, conversation, our conversations to have a little more meaning and to go a little bit deeper and have a little bit more purpose? Because Proverbs says in uh, uh, verse 17 that iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. The goal of friendship is to sharpen one another into the person that God intends us to be. There is mutual benefit in the rubbing of two iron blades. The edges become sharper, making the knives more efficient in their task of cutting and slicing. Friendship is a tool just like, just like the iron blade that God uses to refine us for the mission of God to move forward. Friendship helps us to be more like Jesus. And it has a direct correlation to making disciples, to people being baptized, new believers being baptized, to teaching them to look more like Jesus, and eventually planting more churches, which is what we are all about here at City Lake Council Bluffs. A blunt knife, yes, can still cut, but it is not nearly as effective, and it causes a whole lot more damage when it cuts you or somebody else. This is why city groups are such a beautiful thing here. City groups are communities of friendships that provide a place for friendships to be fostered. 
for encouragement to happen, for spiritual growth, for challenging one another, for digging into God's word, for praying for one another, for challenging each other to live on mission for the glory of Jesus. All of these allow us to sharpen others while other people sharpening us. That is what it is all about. So can I invite you to do two things this morning, two simple things. First thing, check out a city group. If you haven't, check out a city group. It's super easy. All you have to do, fill out a connection card in front of you, put your name down, say, hey, I want to check out a city group. We will take it from there. We will get you connected. Two, pray about friendships. Pray about friendships. Whether that's growing to be a good friend or finding a friend. Ask the Father to put somebody in your life who will give you what you need. He hears our cries. He knows our heart's desires. He knows that we need friends. Sometimes, though, all we need to do is ask for him to put a good friend in our life. Now, you may have the most uplifting friends on the earth, or you may struggle to find friends who are good for you. Maybe you've lost a good friend, or maybe you're trying to figure out if a person will be a good friend for you. Whatever your experience with friendship is, We will always fall short of being the good friend that Proverbs talks about. We will make mistakes. We will let our friends down. We will say things we shouldn't say. We won't point our friends to Jesus. And the same things will happen with the people that we call our friends. They'll they'll fail and struggle in the same ways that we fail and struggle. See, like there's only one person who has been, who is, and forever will be the ultimate friend that Proverbs talks about, and that person is Jesus. We were created for friendship. We are made by our friends. But thirdly, there is no better, no wiser friend than Jesus. You see, when Jesus came to earth, he was fully God and he was fully man. He grew in wisdom and he grew in being a man. And he had the same exact desires that we have. He had the same exact desires to be a friend, to be a good friend, and to have friends. Jesus had a family that he belonged to, but as he grew older, he also went and found friends outside of the household. Just like us, he had friends who were really, really good, and he had some friends who were really, really bad. Just like us, he had a heart for friendship. But the thing that makes Jesus completely different than anybody else who ever lived on this earth was that he was the perfect friend despite how his friends treated him. And Jesus reveals himself as the model, the stereotype, the embodiment of that perfect friendship that Proverbs talks about. Jesus cared for his friends in the most extreme ways possible. Read with me Proverbs 27, five and six. It says, better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the words of a friend. Abundant are the kisses of an enemy. So you're like, Jesus is the best friend that you or I could ever have. God loved us so much that he told us that we blew it by sinning. He loved, he loved us so much that he openly rebuked us, saying that we needed saving, which is good news. He helped us see that outside of our faith in God, we could do nothing. We were unable to save ourselves. We were dead. And during his time on earth, Jesus came and he openly reprimanded for people not living as God intended them to live. 
And those are wounds. They pierce like wounds. They hurt like wounds. We push them away like wounds. We don't want that. But Jesus was faithful to wound us and tell us the truth. But even better as a friend, Jesus stepped in to take on the death penalty that we deserved. It was the ultimate wounding. And by his wounds, we can have healing. We can have friendship. God could have easily left us in our own sin without doing a single, single thing. But he was so gracious and loved us so much, he told us that we needed him. Now, I don't like being told what to do. I do not like being told that the way I'm doing something is either wrong or that there's a better way to do it. Most of the time, I'd rather just keep failing than to admit defeat. I would rather just keep failing than die to my pride and say, oh yeah, that is a better way of doing something or yeah, that is more efficient. And vice versa, I don't like the awkwardness of conflict of showing other people their fallenness and their mistakes. That is uncomfortable. I'd rather just move on than deal with the issues at hand. But this verse says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. So you're like, I would probably not be preaching here this morning if I did not have the loving rebuke of a friend. You see, I've always struggled with my words. Um, I've, I've always bumbled and stumbled over my words, and I've often compared myself uh, to Moses in the Old Testament. Moses in the Old Testament uh, said, no, God, you can't use me. I, I bumble and stumble over my words. Use somebody else. I can't lead your people and talk to, talk to your people for you. So after an open, open rebuke, he said, all right, you get your wish. I won't use you. I'll use your brother Aaron to talk to the Israelites for you. And that always frustrated me so much. I always wanted to be that guy that said, yeah, God, use me in my weaknesses. You know, you know I'll, speak to, I'll speak to whoever. Nope, I was just like Moses. I have lived my life for so long like Moses. I kept denying that God could use somebody like me. Um, I denied that God could uh, use me to speak at City Light Iowa Western that God could use me to teach to kids and uh, uh, down in City Light Kids. And I denied that God could use me even on a stage like this. But about nine months ago, I was literally in the back of this room over by the sound booth. Eric lovingly, gently, but sternly rebuked me to my face. And it was a life-changing moment for me. It did not feel great in the moment, but these were some of his words. He said, you have so much potential and that I needed to stop buying into the lies of what I couldn't do and trust in what the spirit could do. And it was a much needed and transformative word in my life. No, again, it did not feel great in the moment. It hurt to hear those words. It hurt to realize that I had been living for so long um, without joy. I'd been missing it because I hadn't been stepping up. It hurt to see that um, all the possibilities that I had missed out on by not stepping up and allowing God to use me. But because it was the faithful words of a friend, it didn't just stop at pain and wounding words. It eventually moved to grief and then healing and words of encouragement and eventually to me standing on the stage today before you. See, like the Bible is this awesome story. The Bible is this awesome story of this friendship between God and mankind. We were made to joyfully live in this friendship, yet we rejected his goodness. All of us have. 
We rebelled against a perfect relationship and we did our own imperfect things. And the consequences of rejecting that relationship were very, very severe. Death, separation, and God's anger. Thankfully, God initiated a rescue plan to save the friendship. When the right time came in the person of Jesus Christ, God himself came to the world to provide a way for that friendship to be saved and save his friends and renew his friends. Jesus perfectly obeyed the law that mankind couldn't. Though innocent, he suffered the consequences of all that sin on the cross. Three days later, God raised him from the dead, creating a pathway to friendship that the enemy, that Satan thought had been permanently blocked. And now those who have put their faith in Jesus have all the benefits of that perfect, loving, God-inspired relationship. We are chosen, we are set apart for a specific purpose, and we are loved beyond all comprehension. We have, the, we have Jesus' own spirit living within us to see that love and then be able to love others as well. That friendship that Proverbs is talking about is available in Jesus. Even better news, there will be one day where Jesus returns as a conquering king and he will be our friend forever. Right now, we only see the friendship with Jesus um, like a foggy mirror. We can't fully understand it. We can't fully comprehend what that means. But one day, we will see Jesus face to face and we will know him fully. Praise God. If you have been desiring this friendship if you looked around and you've searched the world for this type of friendship and you haven't find it, or you haven't found it, can I invite you into that friendship this morning? He wants to be your friend. He wants to give you the best friendship possible. When we ask for forgiveness for rebelling and turning away from that perfect friendship, the friendship can be restored. But now, he's the one that defines the relationship. And when he defines the relationship, we understand our place a whole lot clearer. We understand what our role in the friendship is. And that's just to make much of Jesus, to, to glorify him all of our days and enjoy him. We escape God's judgment and we can live joyfully in the presence of that friendship now. It doesn't just start down the road. It starts right now and then for all of eternity. God's message is the same for everybody. Repent and believe before it is too late to save the friendship. Before Jesus went to the cross, he, these were the words to his friends in John 15. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if, I, if, you, are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. This is a good friendship. Now, I don't know where you guys are at this morning whenever it comes to your friendships, whether that's being a good friend, finding a good friend, or seeing Jesus as your friend I just want to invite you all to the friendship of Jesus this morning. There's nothing better. There's nothing sweeter. The God of the universe has called you to be his friend. He created you. He does not need your friendship, but he wants you to be his friend.
Jesus is the good friend who loves at all times. Jesus is the good friend who is honest and open about sin and its consequences. Jesus is the good friend who will lovingly comfort you when you feel like your world is crashing. He went to great lengths, even death on a cross for your friendship. His friendship is transforming. And see, like, there is a world that is hurting and desiring friendships that are like this one in Proverbs. Would you all pray with me this morning? Holy Spirit, would you speak this morning? Would you heal where there has been uh, broken friendship? We've all experienced it. We all know what it feels like. As we pray, would you just consider the wisdom throughout Proverbs of what wise friendship looks like? Who are the people that you are surrounding yourself with? Are the friendships uh, for the pleasure of glorifying God or are they for your own pleasure? Do your friendships uh, build your identity in Jesus or do they build your identity in yourself? Holy Spirit, I thank you for, for friendships. Thank you for how you created us to be in those friendships. But God, would you restore Would you heal? It's what we long for. And you are the one that heals the brokenhearted and binds up wounds so that we can love again and so that we can be that wise friend that Proverbs talks about. But most importantly, we need you, Jesus, above any relationship on this earth, but above any relationship. Um, that we could possibly have here. We need your friendship. Your friendship is the one that restores. Your friendship is the one that heals. Your friendship is the one that we need to desire above all other friendships. Holy Spirit, would you continue to point us to you and your friendship?